0: Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. In this episode, you'll learn why successful mentoring is a two-way street and how to add value to any mentoring relationship, how to reach out to potential mentors, and how to make mentoring relationships last after you get them started. Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. We're here today with Jason Jacobson. Managing Director of the Founder Institute Chicago chapter. Thank you so much for being here, Jason.
1: Thank you for having me, Mark. Glad to be here.
0: And I'd love to jump right in and one of our last conversations you mentioned with mentoring, which we'll be discussing today, that some people don't realize it's really a two-way street. It's not just the old person giving the young person, you know, life's guidance. Can you talk more about that?
1: Absolutely. So I believe mentoring is a two-way street. Both parties should benefit from one another. And I don't even see it as an age uh, separation. A younger person can definitely mentor an older person and, and vice versa. So generally, mentors uh, want to feel that they're going to benefit from talking to the other person and, and guiding that person. So there's a learning going on, on both sides. So there's really a mutually beneficial long term relationship that's being built
0: and what ways on the mentee side say with that two-way street what ways can the mentee give back to their mentor and make it a two-way street
1: yeah a mentee should show a genuine interest in the mentor and find out how he or she can support the mentor with with thoughts with recommendations and many times mentors are learning from the mentees just by having that engagement so the fact that they just continue having a good conversation and the fact that the mentee uh, provide, does some action based on what the mentor guides, there's learning happening on both sides.
0: And as far as just to get a relationship like that started, before they worry about the two-way street, if someone says, I want to find a mentor, what advice would you give them? And, and they're a little bit lost.
1: Yeah, I believe a mentor relationship is not something that can be forced. It's something that happens gradually over time as a relationship is being built. So in order to find someone like that, reach out to your network. Look for people on LinkedIn. You want to be actively talking to people and, and tell people in your network, this is who I'm trying to meet, really just for guidance. And even you know, if that person has industry experience, has uh, experience in a similar role that you've had, Just ask people in your network, and LinkedIn is a great tool also to reach out to people. But it really is something that should happen over time, it's not something that can be forced.
0: Talk more about that because that's important. Some people think I'm just going to, oh my God, I'm going to silver bullet this and I'm going to reach out, I'm going to get the perfect mentor, and my life will change. And they do try and force it. How should it be developed?
1: So with the Founder Institute, I'll explain how we do it there. We have 30 to 35 entrepreneurs who act as mentors uh, slash advisors in our program. So they come every week to speak to our founders about a specific topic and give guidance on the founders' ideas in person. And then we encourage the founders to reach out to the mentors one-on-one outside of our weekly sessions to start to build a rapport, to build a relationship with the mentors. over time, some of those relationships develop into sustainable long-term relationships where the mentors slash advisors start to get more actively engaged with the companies. So it, it takes time. It's not gonna not something that you should expect will happen immediately. And every person that you're in contact with an advisor slash mentor relationship may not be a long-term mentor. So you really need to connect personally as well and, and show a genuine interest in each other's lives.
0: And with the, how did the Founder Institute program affect your own learning curve with mentorship? Did you have aha moments? or Was it something you just have sort of always done naturally? But how did the Founder Institute, how has it helped your own learning curve with mentoring?
1: So some of it has been natural over the years. I've just been a a relationship builder for the last 20 years. And so having relationships have been extremely important for me. Uh, But having the mentor relationship is another type of a relationship. So a couple of those mentors have become, or advisors for the program, become personal mentors of mine. But I've also learned just how founders should interact with the advisors in our program to form mentor relationships. Founders, some of the founders are very reluctant or to reach out to the mentors. They feel they're bothering them. They feel that they're you know, that they don't want to talk to them, but that's not the case at all. Our mentors have been actively part of our program to support the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So what I've learned also is that you just have to be proactive and reach out to people. The worst they can say is no. And also, I believe you should be very. If you're going to email someone, be have an agenda, what you want to talk about. Be very short with your email communication, so you don't overwhelm that person with a lot of communication. We guide our founders in how to communicate with the mentors, so all that has really helped me interact as well with advisors and even my current mentors or potential future mentors.
0: And you mentioned you've been building relationships for 20 years. As far as mentoring, let's go back a little bit further. Some people, it seems to be just in their DNA from when they were literally a kid. Other people stumble across it somewhere in college. When did you discover mentoring? And what has that process been?
1: Yeah, I would say it's in college. I learned from my brother. He was very active in college organizations. We were three years apart in college, but went to the same college. He realized the power of networking relationships early on in college and so i got involved in a student organization as a freshman he he was a senior i was a freshman he started a group i came on in a leadership role right away and saw the power of that and then i got my degree in real estate and finance and i got really active with the real estate club at the school i went to because i saw again the power of building relationships and so it really started freshman year in college, so it's really been more than 20 years that I've been doing these things. And over time, everything I've done has really been a part of this relationship-building process, and so it's part of my DNA. And so some of these relationships have turned more into mentoring or advising relationships, and, but I've, I've built a really good network of professionals really across all disciplines and industries as a result of being proactive and active with organizations. And also, I'm very proactive in helping people before I ask for help as well. So if someone needs something, I, I try to find a way to support them. Uh, I talk to entrepreneurs every day, and they have needs. If I cannot help that person, I'll connect them to someone who can. I, try, I very rarely leave someone hanging without a next step.
0: I think a lot of people miss that step. They think they need to be the end, the end all be all as a mentor or a connection, instead of being able to introduce people to other people because one person can't know everything.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. If I don't know it, I will tell someone that. And if I can connect them with someone, I will. I, I try to, I try to connect people just about every time. If I don't have a connection, you know, then I don't have a connection. But I may, I may still try to connect them to an online resource just to to leave something with them so it's just part of my dna is to be uh, helping people you know wherever i can
0: well you just gave two great pieces of advice for mentees of connecting them to uh, mentees could connect their mentors to other people they could share an online resource there's a lot of things that mentees can do and those are those are just two of them did you do that? Start doing that in college, or did that making connections for other people? Actually, a better question: How did you start building your network to get to the point where you could just reach out and get mentors?
1: Yeah, I would say it started when I moved to Chicago. I went to school UW Madison, University of Wisconsin Madison, then came to Chicago. So close, close, uh, you know, dis- distance. And I had re- a lot of the people I went to school with moved to Chicago so I already had a good network to start with at least in the real estate industry but what I what I realize is you still have to have face time with people so I started going to a lot of events in the Chicago area and built an email list of after, after I met people I connected with them I built an email list and started emailing them every couple of weeks hey these are events I'm going to join me come meet other people so it started that way And then I created a newsletter that provided additional resources, had profiled professionals, I had events in there, had other resources online for people to look at. So it just evolved over time. I was providing content for people, and it was really a way for me to stay in touch with people. So certain people saw me as someone that understood relationships and you know networking and so it just started evolving and I start seeing people at events all the time and uh, it started with events but it's gone obviously well beyond that LinkedIn's been a great tool to stay in touch with people and other social media outlets but I started doing this before there was LinkedIn and it was mostly just email communication and then I did create an online newsletter at, at one point and so and a website as well to brand myself have more resources so it was a lot of lot of different things to stay in touch with people
0: and how did you what other ways can people build their brand I mean yours is a connector what ways can people if they're listening and they realize I don't have a brand what, what ways can they build that
1: yeah so a blog is a great way I I had a blog for many years it's not as active these days but I had a blog for many years that I was active on writing about relationship building right writing about personal branding writing about networking so I think a blog, create your own content is great. LinkedIn is a really good tool as well with their their posts. You can provide updates and articles and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I've I've been using that over the last year to further um, my brand and, and my activities. So that's been a great tool. Host your own events. I I do a lot of events. I, I've been doing them for 20 years and do your own events. People see you as experts. If it's you know especially if it's around your area of expertise speak at the event, create a panel event where you can be one of the speakers or be the moderator, find ways to be part of other events, uh, see if you can be a speaker at another event. Uh, but there's, there's so many tools out there now to brand yourself online. You know, Twitter helps. You know, I think LinkedIn is one of the best tools for, in the business community to really brand yourself.
0: And what ways are you using LinkedIn?
1: Sorry.
0: What ways are you using LinkedIn? Because there's a lot you could do on there.
1: Yeah, so I used to use LinkedIn groups. That's not as effective anymore. I, I use the updates where I post activities. So I do a lot of Founder Institute events. We have When we're running a cohort, we have in-person sessions where our mentors are speaking to the founders about a specific topic. I will take pictures at the sessions. These are closed-door sessions. I take pictures. And then I publicly thank them and post the pictures. I thank the mentors. I connect. You know, I, I put their name in the post, and we get. You know, they appreciate it. We get some of our founders to thank them as well. So LinkedIn's been great for that. LinkedIn's also good just to meet new people. I I get a lot of people reach every day. People reach out to me, and want to connect with me. Most a lot of times are people I don't know, and I I won't connect with anyone unless I've had a conversation with them. So I'll respond and say thank you for reaching out. Let's have a conversation to see how we can mutually benefit each other, support one another. You know, maybe half of them respond, the other do not. And I talk to the ones that respond, then I connect with them. If someone doesn't respond, then I won't connect with them. You know, they, they, they found time to try to connect with me, but they don't want to talk. And to me, there's no value or not much value in just connecting to connecting. Uh, so I've met a lot of great people th- through those uh, conversations on LinkedIn.
0: And I think anyone listening that shouldn't get discouraged for what you said about because I found that too. About half the people I reach out to, or if they connect with me, at least half you never hear from them again. It's like it, it goes into a black hole.
1: Right. And I, if you do reach out to someone you do not know and you want to connect, put some qualifying language in there why you want to connect. So many people just click the connect button, and, and you know, it, LinkedIn just sends a "Let's connect." There's no language at all. And so I, you really want to qualify that. And I believe a lot of people are probably doing it from the app. And the app is not as clear around that as you know the, desk, the online version uh, where you can actually put a message in there. So I recommend anyone connecting, even if you, you met the person a year ago or two weeks ago, a month ago, remind that person that you met. It was nice meeting you. Just don't send a blanket. Let's connect because not everyone's going to remember. We all meet people every day. So uh, remind the person that you met, put some language in why you want to connect. That's all very important. You'll get a better response that way.
0: And one thing that's really important for LinkedIn that you touched on through the app, and, it, and also if you're just it, when LinkedIn puts up people you might know, if you click connect on either one of those, it doesn't even give you the option to add a message. Go to that person's profile click connect button on their profile and then add a note otherwise it automatically doesn't let you add a note which is crazy
1: yeah i agree it's a it's shortfall of linkedin but you're right that's a good suggestion to go to their profile
0: and and once on the other side of the coin about being a mentor because you've been on both sides and are on both sides of that coin what advice do you have when people say you know i want to mentor but i'm not sure what to do how can they be a better mentor
1: I think listening is pretty important. Uh, listen to the mentee, you know, mentee's needs. Understand the challenges that person has and, and bring in your experience. But, uh, you know, the mentor is not going to always be right. And so just realize that uh, the, need, the mentor needs to listen and, and be proactive helping that person as well. So I think it's, you want to set some boundaries and some agenda, you know, a cadence of the relationship. But uh, really, you know, and I would also have the mentee do things. You know, give the mentee actionable items to do, and see if the ment- mentee comes back with those items completed. If that happens, then you know that mentee is taking the relationship serious. So I would say the mentor can test out the relationship a little bit too, see if the mentee is serious about that, because mentor is taking a lot of time out of his or her day to or schedule to be involved.
0: I think that's really important part as far as giving them action items that, as a mentee, they need to realize they have work to do. You you can't just sit and have coffee and listen to a CEO or an entrepreneur talk. You have to go do something after that conversation.
1: I agree. It's almost like a board meeting, too, where it's good to have highlights of your company, but more so what are your challenges and what are your needs, and then people can start providing guidance or, or helping you think about actionable items
0: And how do you determine, you mentioned the cadence, how do you determine the cadence of a relationship, how frequently to talk, meet, and things like that?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with the mentor, how, how active the mentor wants to be involved. So if, you know, I deal with entrepreneurs every day, so if it is a mentor relationship with a founder of a company, sometimes there could be equity involved, and then maybe there is a more regular schedule. But I think you know the first couple times just has to be casual can I reach out to you when I have questions and as you get to build that rapport then you set a regular schedule It could be once a week could be once every two weeks once a month or as needed uh, so I think it just depends on how how that relationship feels but there is no right or wrong way to do that mm-hmm. just a lot of it depends on the mentor's schedule and how engaged he or she wants to be.
0: And- how do you determine? I mean, do you should you ask them that? Like you said, can I talk to you? Should I reach out to you via email or phone? Or how can the mentee? Do they have to ask the mentor what to do, or do they expect the mentor to tell them?
1: As an entrepreneur or a mentee, I'd be proactive and ask, say, how often would you like to talk? And if you can, get a regular schedule on the calendar so you know that we're going to talk once a week at this time. And you need that's a, also. Gives you a, a deadline to have some actual items completed. So it, it may not happen the first couple times, but after you build that rapport, then, and you see there's a two way connection, then I would just ask the mentor, how often would you let, can we talk?
0: And even if it's once a month, I think people need to realize with what you with what you said that you need time between meetings. It can't be too frequently because you have to go do stuff. You can't just meet, 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 meet. You got to meet, go do, get results, come back.
1: Absolutely, and, and email communication can be, you know, happening in between those calls. You know, so it doesn't mean you have to be completely cut off. But realize that mentors are busy, running companies, leading companies guiding other people. So you do have to be respectful of that person's time as well, because you're not the only activity or person in that mentor's life. So you do need to uh, be, be well aware that. Don't overwhelm that person.
0: And with what you just said, that's another important thing for people listening that would be on the mentee side of the coin. If someone says no, don't take it personally. It, it might probably has nothing to do with you. Like you said, they're running companies, they're leading companies, they're really busy. They might have personal things going on. So when someone says no to a, a even a phone call, it's not something to take personally.
1: I agree. And, and if the person's still engaged with you, just find another time that works. But if the person doesn't have time at all, then ask if uh, if the mentor is not going to mention it to you. Many many mentors will say, "I don't have time for this." But you know, just ask them you know, and say, if you don't have time for it, please let me know, no, no problem at all. There are a lot of people you can reach out to that can guide you and be a mentor. If one person says no, you move on to the next. But still has to be the right connection either
0: way. And with, with that outreach, what are a few tips you have for the outreach, whether it's through LinkedIn, email, that initial I always, outreach?
1: Yeah, yeah. I always recommend getting a personal introduction so linkedin is a great tool to find people but then find someone that you're connected to personally that can make that introduction and so i, I would do it that way now you can do a blind you know you can linked uh, reach out someone cold on linkedin if you don't have a connection chances are slimmer that person respond but you never know people do respond so that that's a good way to do it you can also research companies or other experts in your industry, and then, you know, find them, find out where they're going to be speaking, maybe, and, and have a opportunity to meet that person in, uh, in live in person, and then follow up. So there are different ways to find the people that you want to connect with.
0: When you find out, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this angle of the first time you approach a potential mentor, I just recently put up a blog post about my argument for not asking someone to be your mentor the first time you meet them. Other people will say, well, you should ask them to be your mentor the first time, you know, on that first phone call or in that first message. What side of the fence or what do you think about either one of those? Will you be my mentor versus not directly asking them immediately?
1: I I agree with your methodology. The term mentor gets thrown around a lot and it's, not always described as what it is, and to me, a mentor relationship is something that you build trust over time. It's not something you force. so asking someone to be your mentor right away to me doesn't even mean anything at at in at, at the first at the onset because you can't force that. you have to get to know the person and and really, it doesn't even even as you build that rapport and' it's the person you have a regular communication with them. You may not even call it a mentor-mentee relationship. It's just what it is. It's just a natural conversation, natural way to support one another. You know, at the, With the Founder Institute, we do use the term mentors. That's a loose term because we're, we're forcing a little bit the, uh, the seasoned entrepreneurs to guide our founders. But it's more a guidance and advisory, and the mentor relationship comes later. But it is a term that's used in the entrepreneurial community. So I agree that it, it's not something you just go and ask someone. It, it's more the way you ask about it that the person can support you, be there to uh, as you have questions, and then you'll build that rapport and you'll realize which of those relationships are there for the longer term.
0: Well, actually you actually just brought up a good qualifying point that, as far as asking someone to be your mentor, so it is a different dynamic if you're a. In a college formal mentoring program or a professional association where there's a database of people that are saying I will be a mentor, in that case it's a different ballgame because they're expecting to be a mentor.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I think it depends on the situation, right? So there are so that's that is the same way with Founder Institute. You're absolutely right. We call them mentors. They know that ahead of time, so it is that relationship. But some of those turn into longer term relationships with our founders. So. Same thing with college and young professionals you're you're absolutely right, so you, it depends on the context, but if it's a a cold or a first time conversation, it's something that happens more naturally
0: how How have you seen the trust getting built how better question how have you seen the mentoring relationships the long term and founder institute how did how did they develop over time
1: so every week we have two to three different mentors come in and speak to the founders and about that topic for the week. They listen to some of the pitches and then the founders reach out to them. And so some of those founders start to form a rapport with the mentors and some of them become formal advisors with the companies. So they, they see the Founders hit some milestones through that relationship and they really like what they see, they like the person. Sometimes they even become investors in the company. So it it's a very personal connection. And usually we focus on the founder first in our program, not what they're building. So the mentors generally build a rapport with the founders and really like them. And then ultimately they like what they're doing and want to support them. But that, that takes time. And these relationships generally Further develop after they're done with their program, which is four months. So they get to know them during the program, but it usually this relationship accelerates once they're done with their program.
0: And that's when the mentor, the mentor-mentee, somewhat with those titles, it develops after four months. Is a good time frame.
1: Yeah, usually it develops after to more formal relationship.
0: And with everything in the mentoring world, for in closing why is mentor, why, in your eyes, is mentorship so important for professionals?
1: It, it, you're learning from experienced people that may have been in your shoes before, and they can help you reduce some of your mistakes, provide guidance on ways to be more successful. And the flip side is you as a mentee, you can also teach that mentor. New things as well. Uh, keep that mentor possibly relevant in a certain industry uh, around technology, around best practices. Many of our mentors in the Founder Institute say they learn from the founders in our program because they're working on new, cutting-edge things and you know the things they didn't know about before. So that's what, some of the excitement for the mentors is they really like to learn about new things. So. It's just uh, staying relevant uh, with both people.
0: Perfect way to close out and it just brought the conversation full circle. Mentoring is a two-way street. Thank you so much, Jason.
1: Thank you, Mark, appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening today. Be sure to go to ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear other conversations about mentoring, marketing, and more.